but 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 basically the problem is marketing is not understood and people ceos don't like to invest in things they don't understand so so my opinion is we better demystify it if we want to get money um because the hiding behind the cloak of secrecy and confusion doesn't work it's our job to tell better stories and always remember it's the risk takers that are Hello there. Welcome to the Growth Hub podcast. You're listening to the second part of our discussion with Dave Kellogg, executive in residence at Balderton Capital. In part one, we covered what founders need to understand about sales. And here in part two, we discuss marketing and sales alignment, how to do it right and what founders should do from the get go to make it happen. Hope you enjoy. There is actually in that founder's guide uh, on B2B sales, there is actually um, a chapter there about marketing. So what it is, what is it about marketing that you wish that founders would understand? So I'll tell you some stories. You can edit them out, but this is a fun story. I think you'll like it. So, so when I left business objects, a good friend of mine had been kind of the head of sales and I was kind of the head of marketing and we both became CEOs and I was, we kind of worried or wondered who was going to have the rougher transition, right? Like, ooh, who's it going to be harder for? Because uh, the salesperson, I've had a number, I've run a forecast and had a number my whole career. Uh, I'm not afraid of carrying a number. And, and the marketing person, I was a little nervous because I hadn't done those things. And, and like, I don't know, maybe it's going to be easier for you than it is for me. Who knows? Um, as it turned out, I think it was easier for me because it's not that hard to learn the quantitative stuff if you're quantitative by nature, right? Like forecasting and managing numbers and pipeline. It's actually really hard to learn marketing because it's kind of soft stuff. And, and like, so I would call him and say, how do I, you know, how do I do the forecast? And he would call me and say, how do I do positioning? And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Two very question, different things. Yeah, my question is answerable in five minutes. Like your question, like, you know, whoa, we're, you know, we spent a long time talking about positioning. So. I think to answer the question directly without the story, um, I think marketing is misunderstood basically, right? Right. And I think marketers are part to blame for that. Some of us like to hide behind the kind of black magic guru, like go away, stay out of marketing, we're, we're, you know, leave us alone because it's all voodoo that you don't understand and couldn't possibly understand because you're not in the, 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 the tribe, right? Just go away. There's those, those kind of marketers. So, so they, they help make it misunderstood. Um, even the phrase marketing guru, right? You never hear sales guru. How come, how come marketing <laughs> is gurus and sales doesn't, right? <laughs> um, so, so we, we are in part responsible ourselves for this problem, but, but, but basically the problem is marketing is not understood and people, CEOs don't like to invest in things they don't understand. So, so my opinion is we better demystify it if we want to get money, um, because the hiding behind the cloak of secrecy and confusion doesn't work. So. Uh, my, my general goal for marketing is to demystify it. And, and I try to tell people, I mean, there's a section of the guy called the world's shortest marketing primer. And it just says marketing is about three things, right? Why buy one, right? Why would I ever buy one of these? What are the generic benefits of buying it? Why buy mine, i.e. differentiation, 
right? And I use two examples all the time, but why buy one is soup is good food. There actually was a 1970s marketing campaign by Campbell's Soup, which is soup is good food. There's no better example of category benefit marketing, <laughs> right? Uh, and then bags fly free is a, is a Southwest Airlines promotion, right? Differentiation. Why should I buy a ticket on Southwest versus United? Because on Southwest, bags fly free. So, so that's, that's why buy mine. The first message is why buy one. And the last, which people often miss, is, is why give me the time of day, <laughs> right? Like, why do I even want to spend a minute listening to you talk? And that is, to me, mapping to buyer priorities. So if you're a CDO and you care about building data culture, you should talk to me because I want to tell you how we help build data culture. And I just hit your number one priority. That's why you give me the time of day. And, and I think Look, there's marketers make a lot of mistakes on those things. Premature differentiation is, is classic, where somebody shows up and goes, what is it? And they start explaining why theirs is better. And they're like, I have no idea what it is. I don't care why yours is better. I'm not even sure if I want to buy one. And, and you're waxing poetic and technical about why it's better. I don't care. And conversely, I've seen companies where I'm going to buy one. Tell me why yours is better. And they spend 10 minutes explaining why to buy one. <laughs> and the person's like, do you have like stuff in your ears? Did you not hear what I said? So, uh, and then lastly, if you don't have good mapping to buyer priorities, no one will come to your events, right? Because you're talking about things that they don't care about. So, so that, that to me is the primer. And I, and I think we need to demystify it. That is such a great, great story and great stuff that you mentioned. Um, can we actually tap into the whole um, sales and marketing uh, misalignment? Because this is my favorite topic and I, I could talk I, about this. I just forever. want to say this is a topic that Say and I talk all the time about. I'm completely bored out of my mind with it because yeah. I feel like we've been talking about it for years and years and years. And Say is always like, no, that's exactly why we need to be talking about it. Exactly. <laughs> and I love talking about it because I want to hear people's opinions on it and what we actually could do about it. But you mentioned just now about the kind of the guru and dis demystifying and soft skills and all that. Is that the problem that we have that we're not taking? I don't know. Why are we misaligned? Like, still, still? So I think, look, I think it's a great question. I think it's sad that we still have to talk about it, but we still have to talk about it. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? Fine. <laughs> so I'm going to empathize with both of you. But, but no, every day, I mean, I work with scores of companies and, and this comes up all the time still. I, I think there's three reasons why they get misaligned. Um, the first is stovepipe goals. And maybe it's gonna be two reasons. But as CEO, if I tell the marketing person, ultimately I can say all kinds of things about, oh, I'd like you to support sales. I want you to align with sales. But if I end the conversation with giving you an OKR that says, go generate 100 stage one opportunities, or worse yet, go generate 100 MQLs, please God forgive me if anyone ever does that. But, but if, I, if I tell marketing their job is to generate stage one opportunities, I have just created a massive problem in my mind. So, so because unless you're a really good marketer, the tendency will be to say, the boss wants me to generate 100 S1s. I got them. I'm going to throw them over the fence. And as from an old song with a joke, once the rockets go up, who cares where they come down? That's not my department. <laughs> right? I don't care. Like you asked for 100. I threw 105. I'm a hero. That still happens. And, and, and 
I've literally been in meetings where I, I, I have the CEO, the CRO, and the CMO, and I ask the CRO, do they feel good about marketing sport? They say, no, I'm not getting what I want. I, I ask the CMO, are they achieving their goals? They say, yes, we're doing everything. And, and then I say, what are you measuring yourself on? And they say, well, I was supposed to get 100 S1s and I got 110. And I look at the CEO and go, this is your fault, right? You created this problem because you told the CMO to go get S1s. And that was it. And they did what you said. Now, CMO, I wish you were a tad more enlightened, right? <laughs> so you understood that we want S1s to turn into S2s and we want S2s to close. And maybe we should work with sales to make sure we're doing that. But letter of the law, you did what you were told. So I, I dumped this one back on CEOs. I have seen many CMOs get caught in the CRO said to go right and the CEO said to go left. So what do I do? And my answer is go right. Maybe surprising to you. Go right every time. Um, but a lot of CMOs and good ones will go left because the boss told me to go left. So I went left. And the real problem, ironically, is that it's the, it, the CMO, if forced to choose a lineless sales, I think that would be, if we wanted to diagnose this, uh, that's the solution. Um, because, and here's the argument for it. If things don't work, and I'm listening only to the CEO, the CRO will be out for my head. <laughs> the CRO will be, let's kill this marketer and get a new one. I don't like this one. And you'll be done. Um, the converse, if you're not listening to the CEO and you're working closely with the CRO, when the CEO goes, I think we should get a new CMO, the CRO goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> this person is supplying me with what I want. So it may be counterintuitive, but I think, I'm not going to say all, I'll just say there are two reasons. I said three earlier, I'm going to make it simpler. There's two. One is accidental CEO misalignment creation, and it happens all the time. Um, and the CMO needs to call it out quickly. It needs to go to the CRO. It may be subtle, right? I make things simple by saying left and right. It's awful, very subtle alignment. Hey, I really want us to spin up an ABM program. CRO, is that important to you? Eh, kind of, right? Salespeople, they don't want to rock the boat. They want to be politically correct, but kind of means no, right? <laughs> kind of means no, because if it was important to them, they would have told me already, right? So, so you can get these misalignments um, that marketing needs to be super tuned into, and they need to in my mind, get the three of the people together and say, we're misaligned. We don't know it, but we're misaligned. Um, the other way to do it is if the CEO won't come around, just listen to the CRO. Swear to God, it's the, it's the only way to do it. So, did you just this, tell, every, <laughs> sorry, did you just tell everybody to ignore their CEO? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I said, in the event of conflict that appears irreconcilable, <laughs> right? If, if you put it out there and you're forced to choose, go align with sales. Because if you align with the CEO, you will be gone in six to nine months. Uh, your, your odds of lasting are very low um, be, because of the process I outlined, which is if sales starts missing numbers, they're going to come for you. And, and, and you can say, I, but I did what you told me. And this is always the, the executive dilemma. But imagine yourself getting fired. You can say, but I did what you told me. And, and what is any boss going to say back? You're a VP, you're a CRO. Your job is to get results, not do what you're told. <laughs> and you didn't get results, right? So, so this is, I sometimes call this directors, VPs thinking like directors is the other way to think about it. Like directors are allowed to say that in my mind. If you told me to do something and I did it and I executed it well, it was a terrible idea. Hey, I'm a director. <laughs> I'm a director of events. You told me to run an event. I ran the event, it went professionally. I did what I was told. The event was a disaster because none of our leads showed up. That's not my fault. 
director can play that card. A VP cannot. A CMO cannot. Because ultimately, on that very last day, it's going to be your job is to get results. And so I'm not really saying ignore the CEO. I'm saying get results, which may entail that I'll make this gentler. If you have to pay lip service in one direction and put real energy in the other, I'd give the lip service towards the CEO. Yeah, we're on that. I wouldn't forget about it. It'd be on the list. I'd put some effort, right? But but I would call up the CRO and say, what do you want to do? Because we're going to live or die together. Um, and basically, I am chained. The way I view it is we're chained together. We're going to live and die together. So what do we want to do? And, and, and you know what? The number one thing we should do is we should walk in together to the CEO's office and explain what we need to do. That, that's the, the more positive approach. <laughs> so essentially, it's up to the CMO and CRO to get over the misalignment issue and start working together. It's their responsibility to make it happen. I think it's great. Look, I, I tell, I'm going to play both sides on this, which is I tell CEOs all the time, don't do this to your CRO and CMO. Right? Don't do it. Look for it. Be careful for subtle misalignment, um, particularly because the salespeople won't disagree. Right? Salespeople are very agreeable. Right? They're they're gonna pretend there's no misalignment. No, no, we're all aligned on this. It's great. Um, and, and so the CMO, you know, you need to be very careful to to look for misalignment. The other thing I would say is like sometimes there is just genuine misalignment. That's not the CEO's fault. Where marketing just wants to do. I mean, this is the other case where marketing wants to do cool marketing. ABM is cool. I want to do ABM. Or worse yet, I know ABM. And when your only tool is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, right? Or I'm really good at digital. So regardless of what the situation is, digital is the answer. Or regardless of what the situation is, events is the answer. Um, and this is why it's so important as a marketer to be broad. Because if we have 15 tools in your bag, I want you to know how to use all of them. Not because you might actually need them all because they don't want you to be biased in tool selection, right? <laughs> right. I, I want you to be able to look at a business situation and go, oh, this requires corporate communications and uh, content marketing, or, or this requires digital marketing, and uh, this requires messaging, whatever it is. And the more you're only comfortable with three of the 10 tools, the more those are the tools you're going to be to recommend. And, and, and that's, as a CEO, terrifying, right? <laughs> <laughs> So you keep talking about CMO and CRO, but one of the things that I think I've seen, I don't know if you've seen this, but one of the things I've seen is the rise of the title chief growth officer. And and often it's either two ways. They have a sales background, but no experience in marketing, or they have a marketing background and no sales experience, but then they are put in charge of both. And I, I sometimes wonder if that that is... Uh, the title is brought in because they want to put sales and marketing working together better and align them better. So um, I'm wondering, what's your view on this? Uh, is is that the way to go or is that too much for one C-suite role? So I, I'm in general. So, so first, I think the evolution of titles has been really fun of late. Like uh, one of my favorite titles is performance marketing as a VP. <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, if there, you have a VP of performance marketing? I I'd like the other job. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have the other job? <laughs> I love the non-performance marketing. Right? <laughs> so there's a chief growth officer. Could I be the chief non-growth? You know, <laughs> I, I want to be in charge of everything that's not accountable. Um, so... Uh, some of it is just my, my cynicism with titles and naming, but but I do think we do these things. Look, sometimes when it's just a naming issue, I, I, I think it's a reminder. 
Like when we talk about performance marketing, I think of that as a reminder. It's not that the rest of marketing is not measured on performance, but it's a reminder that you are, right? So, so I think chief growth officer, as you describe it, is less of a reminder, more of an actual structure. Like, like I'm not just changing a title. Like at Salesforce, we called customer success, customers for life. That was a reminder to me. It had the same duties, same structure in many other orgs. Chief growth officer, as you define it, is combining sales and marketing into one. And I think that is a bad and brute force approach to the alignment problem. Um, I think it's brute force because you're basically giving up the CEO. <laughs> you're saying, I can't get these people to work together. So, so we're going to put it all under one person. Um, and, and like it or not, that's going to hide problems. So, so in some ways, as CEO, design your org chart to generate the conversations you want to have. Same thing could be said between product and engineering, right? We could put product and engineering under one, but I'd actually like to have a conversation between one group who thinks the market needs these things in the product and another group who needs to build them. That's a conflict I want to be involved in. <laughs> I, I really want to understand. And ditto for sales versus marketing. I would like to be involved in that conversation if, for example, marketing thinks we're generating lots of opportunities that are falling on the floor and sales isn't working on them because we've got a process problem. I want to hear about that. I don't want that swept under the rug. So design your org to generate the conflicts you want to hear about. And, and when you combine, so there's two arguments I have against it. When you combine sales and marketing, you're now silencing a lot of potentially very informative and very healthy conflict. Um, and the other thing is you're limiting who you can hire to run your marketing because great marketers don't want to work for a CRO, regardless of what they're called. They want to work for the CEO. So, so, I, I th so I think it's a brute force approach to the problem. The, the other, in front of it's worth, the other place I've heard growth applied is not combining sales and marketing, but it's more on getting new customers versus existing. Like I've heard that split where it's like, oh, effectively I'm the VP of new business and you're the VP of expansion business. I'm the VP of selling new customers. You're the VP of expanding existing customers. That's a split I actually kind of like. Uh, it's not indicated in all, like in a more transactional business, I think it makes sense, right? In the enterprise business, big deals, long-term relationships probably makes less sense, right? Um, so those are the contexts I've heard uh, the growth officer mentioned it. Great. Um, we're, we need to start wrapping up. Uh, it's been a fun discussion, but uh, before we let you go, I do kind of want to ask you about, um, since we're talking about sales and marketing alignment, how about scaling? What is the balance between building and scaling sales and marketing? So maybe we can look at this from the founders, founders perspective. Like how do you, um, how do you balance that when you start uh, recruiting sales, when do you start recruiting marketing and, and how should those two kind of grow together? It's a big question. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a big question. It's fine. Look, it's, um, it comes back to a question you asked earlier about what a product-oriented founders get wrong. And I said they oversimplify the funnel, right? They think of the funnel as this very linear thing. And that leads to a misperception of what I call the pipeline chicken or egg problem. What came first, the pipeline or the rep, right? What came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, the pipeline or the rep? And the same founders who will be too linear on the funnel will say the following. They'll say, I don't want to hire reps until we have the pipeline to support them. It sounds logical. It seems like it makes sense. But in my experience, the in general, the number of opportunities you have in your pipeline is typically a linear function of the number of reps you have. 
because there's a floating bar on opportunity acceptance. When, when I'm starving, I'll take bad opportunities. When I'm flush with opportunities, I'll reject good ones. So the, the, the flaw in the pipeline chicken egg fallacy is that that bar is actually fixed and it's not. Because if it comes down, if the sole definition of stage two versus stage one is whether a rep accepts it, a rep has a floating bar. So, and the floating bar will kind of jam your radar in making this decision. So I, I think, because a lot of people would say, ah, hire the marketing first, scale the marketing first so they can build a pipeline and then hire the reps to run in and close it. Um, some people might say the opposite, hire the reps first because I feel better about getting a return on a rep investment than a marketing investment. If we run out of pipeline, we'll go get more. That, that's, a, that's a really bad argument, but that's an argument to have a, what I call the baby Robin problem. You know how baby Robins, they want to get fed. Then they all look up. <laughs> so you have a bunch of reps just looking up, waiting for mommy to drop, you know, opportunities in. Um, and that, that's a terrible problem to have because you have all these starring reps in effect. Um, so I think there's only one answer to that question, which is you plan them together. And it's really hard for people to understand that. But we don't say how many more reps should we hire or how much more marketing should we spend. We say, I want to grow sales two quarters from now from 10 million to 12 million. What do I just take my model? I already have a model of how sales and marketing intersect. I need to use that um, and, and run the run the two together. It, it, it's an argument, by the way, for integrated marketing uh, modeling, and, which is actually an argument for integrated ops, right? To have one RevOps function, because if you go to marketing ops and sales ops, right? Now you've got two models and we're going to be back to the pipeline chicken egg. Right. Whereas if there's one model, one RevOps team, you just say, how do I make sales go up two quarters from now? They'll give you an integrated answer. So to me, integrated is the only answer to that question. Fantastic. Brilliant. Right. Should we right. move on to the so, final segment? Final, final segment, which is the fast five. So I'm going to ask you five simple questions and hoping to get five simple answers. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. What book or books are you currently reading? So I'm currently finishing a book I love called The Crux uh, by Richard Rumelt. His prior book was Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. Fantastic. My favorite book on strategy. A SaaS company you love and why? I have four children. I love them all equally. I, I, I work with scores of SaaS companies. <laughs> I, I can't answer that question. <laughs> okay. So what is your favorite place to read about growth? Uh, in my office here in Oregon. All right. So uh, what is the most important growth metric in your opinion? CAC ratio, the, the dollars of sales and marketing investment spent to acquire a dollar of new ARR. Excellent. And the final one, what is your best piece of advice for fellow SaaS marketers? Three words. I first heard them in 1980 and built my career based on them. Make sales easier. <gasps> Brilliant. Well, that was a whirlwind. I We loved so much talking to you, Dave, and thank you so much for coming on, on our podcast. It well, thanks. Lovely. Thank you so much, Rita. And Seiya, it was a pleasure. Uh, I had a lot of fun. And that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And in fact, we would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so tell us what you thought. Anything we missed, anything you'd like us to revisit, Let's keep the conversation going on on Twitter at SaaS Growth Hub or on LinkedIn at the SaaS Growth Hub podcast. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe to Growth Hub on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. Until next time, cheers!
our customers are buying their